0: All right, today we finish up our series on eternal realities, and I just want to kick us off today with this scripture in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in who? Be strong in not ourselves, but be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take, say these three words with me, take your stand against the devil's scheme so you have a spiritual enemy his name is satan he hates god he he hates that you could give god glory in fact his motivation is to get glory away from god so Uh, he hates your guts and he's plotting, he's scheming, he's uh, scheming to hurt you. And the passage goes on to say, so our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against another person, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. So this speaks to what this whole series has been about, and that is that there's another realm. There's another reality. And if you have a battle, your battle is not against just the things of this world that you can see. Your battle is against the powers, the principalities of this dark world. So we live in a physical world, and yet there is a spiritual world that is just As real. And you've felt it. Come on, you know this deep down, some of the things that you have faced in your life. And we just need to embrace this truth again today that we've got to learn this important principle that what we see with our physical eyes is simply not all that there is in this physical world. There's a spiritual world that's just as real, there's another reality and it's even more powerful than what's taking place in the physical world, where the forces of of good face the forces of evil, where the kingdom of light wages war against the kingdom of darkness. And Christians have a term for this. We call it spiritual warfare. And for the Christian, spiritual warfare simply means this. I love this definition. If you're taking notes, you might wanna write this down. Spiritual warfare is the leveraging of, of everything that God promises against everything that opposes God's purposes. Spiritual warfare is the leveraging of everything that God promises against everything that opposes God's purposes. So you take your stand, you take your stand with what? The promises of God. You take your stand on the promises of God to leverage them against what the enemy is trying to do in your life, in the people around you, in this world. And we learn a, a few important principles about these, spa- these battles, the spiritual warfare from scripture. In fact, if you're going through a battle right now, if you're struggling, you've got something that's very difficult, you need to remember this, and that is you're, you're not alone in your battles. You simply are just not alone in your battles. In fact, there's an interesting account recorded in Scripture in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 15, and I'll teach this whole thing to you sometime, but I just want to reference it today. It tells a story of when Israel was at war against the king of Aram, and there was a servant who's in this dialogue with a man of God, and it says in 2 Kings 6, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. And the man is just, he's going ballistic. He's looked out. He saw the enemy forces coming from everywhere. There were horses. There were warriors. Uh, there were all sorts of troops. And he was looking and he was going, we are way outnumbered. That They are everywhere. And look, we hardly have anybody. Look what what happens. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are far more, there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed. He prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Don't be afraid, Elisha said. There are more on our side than on theirs. God gave him a glimpse into the spiritual world, into this other reality. And he realized there there were God's angels and warriors everywhere. He was not in the battle alone because there's another realm. There's another reality. I want you to realize this other reality. We've got to remember that there's more than we can see. There's more help than we can see. And the reality of the spiritual world teaches us another important principle. This one is about prayer. Elisha prayed, but let's look at a thing about prayer. Your prayers are far more powerful than you know. Man, I want to remind you today that your prayers are powerful. Do not give up praying. There may be times when you pray and you feel, you feel like nothing's happening, but recognize this your prayers are far more powerful. Then you know there's another great example I want to look at today. This one's from the Old Testament. One time when Daniel was praying, and apparently uh, he prayed, and nothing happened. Nothing was happening. Then one day, a messenger, an angel, came to deliver this message to him. This account is recorded in Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 12. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. So, what's happening here? From day one, when Daniel prayed, God heard the prayer and God was working. Even when Daniel didn't see it, God was working. Even when Daniel didn't feel it, God was working. God never stops working. And here's what the angel explained. The the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief, chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Can you imagine this? Daniel prayed, and as soon as he prayed, God heard his prayer released his angels, and for 21 days, they did battle against an evil spirit. And when Michael, the archangel, appeared, he was able to hold off the evil spirits so the other angel could go to Daniel and give a message to say, God is working. God has answered your prayer. Now, friend, let me tell you, let me just Best way I can be a messenger to you today that there's a very real battle going on right now. And our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers and principalities of darkness. And we have a spiritual enemy. He has a name. His name is Satan, the devil. And what does he do? What does he do against us in our life? Let's just briefly look at five, five specific things. I pull these straight out of scripture that it says our enemy is doing to scheme against us. What are his schemes? The first one, if you're taking notes, is he blinds the minds of unbelievers. So without God and left to ourself, it's tremendously easy to succumb to the devil's schemes. We, be, we can become so just mired with the affairs of this world and the moral darkness of this world and get so close to it that we completely lose sight of God. And he tries to blind your mind so that you cannot hear the truth, so that people cannot hear the truth. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it tells us plainly, the God, little g of this age, that's the enemy, that's the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They just, they don't have eyes to see it. And without God, left to ourselves, we don't, we don't see him. And this is why we pray that God would open unbelievers' minds, that he would break through. That's a great prayer to pray for your unbelieving family or neighbors, or friends or co workers, that God would break through, God do a breakthrough work in their life. Now, another scheme that the enemy has against us is he tries to steal God's word from us, he tries to rob us of God's word. Uh, An example I bet a lot of you can relate to is there may have been a time in your life where you heard something from God or heard something about God. You heard his word and it did something inside of you. It piqued some spiritual curiosity or you were leaning into things of God and you thought maybe this is real and maybe this is good and maybe I need to embrace this. Then you got up the next day or you were distracted by something else and all of those spiritual thoughts were gone and life just went back to normal and you're wondering, what was that? Like, I can't even remember what what it was. I can't even remember what they were saying. I thought maybe I would go in that direction, but then it's gone. Where did it go? Why did it vanish? Why did it vanish? Jesus tells us exactly why. Matthew thirteen nineteen The seed, so the word of God that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches it away, snatches the seed away that was planted in their hearts. He steals the word of God. A third thing the devil does is he sets traps to ensnare you. Whenever I think of this one, I, I think of uh, the dumpster behind the church at Rockbrook. Raccoons love the dumpster behind the church building. And I don't know how many times I have been scared or startled by a raccoon in that dumpster. But let me tell you the best day of the year to be a raccoon in the dumpster is Black Friday. Why is Black Friday the best day for a dumpster? Because while everyone else is out shopping, we've had just had our big Thanksgiving Day meal at the church and all the waste from that meal goes into that dumpster. And if you look into the dumpster on Black Friday, the raccoons won't scare you. They will not startle you because they are just simply too fat to move. And the dumpster has become a snare that they can't even climb out of and they just lay there in their own gluttony. Now, let me make this clear. Yes, I am saying this, that the dumpster, the enemy is the dumpster and you're the raccoon. I'm the raccoon. You are the one that he is trying to trap. Have you ever noticed this, that when there's a vulnerability in your own life, some area where there's a weakness, somewhere that it just always seems to tempt you in this area and you fall into that weakness. If you ever try to work against it, you try to purify your mind, next thing you know there's an image that creates a lustful thought or you want to have a healthy marriage but And you make that commitment and then all of a sudden some other guy or some other woman starts talking to you or there's a new temptation in your marriage or you're trying to get out of debt and now there are new opportunities for debt. Wherever you're weak, the enemy knows that and he tries to attack. He doesn't fight fair. He attacks your weaknesses. Second Timothy, Proverbs 6 or some scriptures, all throughout scripture, it's clear. The devil sets traps for you and he tempts you. Let's go to another one. The enemy, uh, what does he also do? He fights to stop you. He fights to stop you. For example, if you get a vision from God to do something, uh, watch how Satan will try to block you. You may hear some good teaching and think, uh, man, we're going to have a great marriage and we're going to pray together and we're going to be about Jesus. And you go home and say, uh, honey, I want to work on these things. Let's have a great marriage. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks through in your life and your marriage. And you have some of the biggest struggles of your life. Several times in my life, I've made a decision to go with God or something, step out in faith, or I'll I'll say, I'm going to share my faith with this person, and I'll work to build a relationship, and all of a sudden, the moment is right, and they ask me a question, and I'm about to talk about Jesus, and their phone rings, and it's an emergency, and they have to leave. Or there's this major distraction or something happens to where the relationship is all of a sudden not there anymore. The relationship is severed. It's because we have spiritual opposition. The forces of darkness trying to stop us from doing what God has called us to do. Why do you think it is that 2,000 years later, we still don't have the gospel preached to every people group on the earth? It's because it's not easy. And the enemy is trying to stop that from happening. Look how plainly this is spelled out in scripture in 1 Thessalonians 2. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. He prevented it from happening. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. He steals God's word from you. He sets traps to ensnare you. He fights to stop you. And last one we'll talk about is he plans to destroy you. He plans to destroy you. And we've got to get serious about fighting this this battle, this spiritual battle, because uh, you can win this battle. Did you hear me today? You can defeat temptation. You can be saved. You can have the truth and it can set you free. You can be freed from these traps. But the enemy is trying to do everything to keep it from happening, to destroy you. In 1 Peter 5, it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, to take out. But you can be free. You can be saved. You can move past this. You can defeat the enemy's work in your life. Why? It's because of this right here. The devil... As powerful as he is, and with all his schemes, at the end of the day, the devil is subject to our God. He absolutely is. He trembles at our God. He, he already had one fight with God that lasted uh, one second. Okay, it didn't even last one second. Like a flash of lightning, he fell. And he trembles at our God. And when you align, when you align yourself with God, you become just as victorious as God is over the devil. This is why the Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, you dear children, you wonderful people of Rockbrook Church are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. He's greater. I'm not so great. (laughs) You're not so great. But the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And what might surprise some of you about this is how much I absolutely really believe this, that there is a dynamic going on, a spiritual warfare dynamic in another realm, another reality that too many people completely overlook in their life. And we forget to respond in the eternal reality in this other realm to respond in the spiritual as much as we do in the natural or the physical. Now, I'm not saying that we don't respond in the natural or the physical. Uh, we, we get sick, yes, we go to the doctor. We, we do the treatments. But our first response is to get together and take our stand in spiritual warfare, that we're going to fight this. The Bible says you're in a fight. You are, you need to learn how to fight. And that the enemy, he's not playing around. He wants to devour you, and I want to give you the weapons to fight in this battle. I want to give you the weapons today to be victorious, as victorious over the enemy as God is, and the Bible says you need to learn how to fight. Let me show you an interesting verse uh, just so uh, you can know how to fight for this in your family. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine powers to demolish strongholds. So when you make this attack, you're not fighting the way the world fights. So we're not fighting in some like modern way with guns and bombs and uh, problem solving that way. No, the weapons we fight with, the weapons we fight with, so it assumes that you're fighting Are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds comes from a Greek word that means any lie of the devil that keeps you trapped in slavery. Did you hear that? I wonder if you're under any strongholds today. Any lie of the devil that keeps you trapped in slavery any lie that is completely against God's word, God's promises, God's purposes. Believing it makes it a reality in your life. And the world demol- the word demolish means to violently cast it down, that there's, there's nothing really passive about this. You know, people often want a kumbaya God, they want a Stepford Wife God that's just perfectly pleasant and sweet all the time, and they don't realize that he is also a warrior and he's also a great fighter. And you've got to buckle up and strap on and dress for battle and realize that there is a part of your Christianity that, that is communion with God and it's peaceful and it's pleasant. But there's another part that is confrontation and spiritual warfare with an enemy who wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your life, your marriage, your parenting, your identity, your confidence, your mind, how you think about yourself, how you think about other people, how you think about God. And it's time to take your stand, to fight your fight. So we got to fight with these weapons. What, what are those weapons? Uh, if I've got weapons, how are they? How do I use them? Well, Let me give you clearly some weapons uh, that scripture is lined out in scripture and how to use them. The first one is the name of Jesus. Write that down. The name of Jesus is a powerful weapon. It's a strong tower. Many of our songs, they just boast in the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Why? Because names have power. Have you noticed that names have power? They carry weight. Cancer is a powerful name. Debt is a powerful name. Addiction is a powerful name. Virus is a powerful name. Depression, if you've ever been depressed, you know it's a powerful name. But I've got good news for you. Philippians 2 verse 9, God exalted Jesus Christ, him, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's saying at the end of the day, the physical reality, the eternal reality, the spiritual reality, it will all come under the name of Jesus and bow to the name of Jesus. So what do I do? I call on the name of the Lord. I use his name. I call on his name. Sing the name. Worship the name. Say, I know you're powerful. Anxiety, I know you're powerful. But I proclaim the name of Jesus as the ruling name in my life. And demons have to line up at the name of Jesus Christ. This is why we pray in Jesus' name. It's a powerful thing Christians do. Some of us, from time to time, we forget the power of it. It just becomes a statement that we make at the end of our prayer. But what are we doing when we're praying? Technically, what's happening? Technically, we're praying to God, God the Father, but in Jesus' name. And it's powerful because some people are praying in the name of who knows, many other gods. People all around the world today are praying in the name of lifeless, distorted, destructive, heretical gods who they're not real. But when we, when the Christian goes to pray, it's powerful because we're saying Jesus is the only way to God and Jesus is the only way that this prayer even works today. So we worship the name, we use the name. I'm declaring that his name is higher and I'm praying in Jesus' name, amen. Let it be so because of who he is, not because of who I am. By the way, we're going to have a, a day of prayer and fasting as a church family. This is in conjunction with the National Day of Prayer, Thursday, May 7th. And here's what I'm asking everybody in our church to do that day is to just simply fast a meal. Fast one meal that day and spend that time in prayer. And that's also powerful because you're going to be hungry from not eating that meal. So then use that hunger as a constant reminder, maybe that morning, that afternoon, or the rest of the day, to pray until your next meal. And then at 7.14 that night, um, we're going to do, uh, I invite you to just pray with your church family. Set your alarm for 7.14 and have all of Rockbrook Church pray together. Uh, If you can join us on Facebook or Instagram live uh, for prayer, we're going to have, starting at 7.14, a online prayer service. It'll be very simple, but I invite you to uh, join us and we'll lead you through some worship and some prayer that night. And we'll declare that the name of Jesus is higher than this pandemic. It's higher than the illnesses in your life. It's higher than any economic downturn. It's higher than any anxiety that you're facing, any loss that you're carrying, any burden that you're trying to lift day after day in your life. We're going to give it over to God in prayer and use the name of Jesus as a weapon. What's your second weapon? That is the word of God. The word of God. The word of God (laughs) is just so powerful. You know, everything we do in this church has a biblical basis. If it's not biblical, uh, we're just simply not interested in doing it. If it's not biblical, I'm not going to give my life to it. If, If you don't have a verse, don't do it. All throughout the scriptures, it talks about the word of God As a metaphor, it says that the Word of God has this metaphor that it's a sword. A sword. For the Word of God is alive and active, it's sharper than any double edged sword. You know, a sword is a defensive weapon in that it can block, but it's also an offensive weapon. It's the only offensive weapon listed in the armor of God. So let's go back to this original verse that we started with in Ephesians 6. And see what it goes on to say. So it uses this word again, stand, stand. So take your stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the only offensive weapon. In fact, that's what Jesus did when the devil came for him. And all three occasions when the devil is, or when Jesus was tempted by the devil, Jesus responds to the devil with scripture. You know, the Bible, it's not there just to be a lucky charm or to give us warm fuzzies. It's a weapon. It is. It is. Do you treat it like a weapon? You know, do you, do you do powerful things with it? Like change some of the verses into the first person to use them as a weapon against your enemy. You know, this I love to say the spirit of God does not make me a slave so that I live in fear. Rather, the spirit I received brought about my adoption to sonship and by him I cry, Abba, Father. Use it as a weapon. When the enemy whispers that, you're not really you're not really saved. You're not worth it. You're not going to make it. You can't you you're going to struggle with this your whole life. You can't conquer this. Say the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect me from the evil one. That I take captive every thought and I make it obedient to Christ. Quote it to the enemy. Use it go on the offense. Use it ahead of him. Saying, I'm making this decision. I'm gonna be on mission in my life to do this thing. And I know the enemy's gonna try and thwart it. I know he's gonna try and stop it. But I'm gonna be on the offense with the word of God. The third weapon is the power of the cross. The power of the cross. The cross of Jesus, which, by the way, defeated the devil. The cross was to save you from your sins, but that wasn't all of it. It was part of it. After Jesus died on the cross, he went to the depths and he stood the devil face to face and he says, I just paid for everything. Hand over the keys so that he could be the one to control your eternal destiny. Not even death could do it. He says that in his, re- in his resurrected body to John, he says this in Revelation 1.18, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I, what do I do? I hold the keys of death and Hades. He says, I hold hold your eternal destiny. I hold your future in my hand. The cross of Jesus did not just pay for your sins. It conquered death, and whatever the devil can throw at you, Jesus has already won. I don't care what the outcome is because he says, ultimately, I win, Now, the enemy is still active trying to thwart God's plans and to to keep you from understanding and being saved and living up to your calling. He's like that snake that's dead, but yet still has active venom in his teeth. Or he's like a, a bee that the sting has been taken away, but he's still buzzing around, tormenting. But ultimately, Jesus is victorious over the enemy. Revelation 12, 11 says, They triumphed over him. So, how do do we use the power of the cross against the enemy in our life? They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And you just say your testimony. Use it as as a, a weapon to say, I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm delivered from every evil attack. God has forgiven my sins. I was going to have to pay for my own sins. I was going to have to pay myself in hell. God stepped in and he saved me. He's healed me. He's redeemed my life from the pit and he crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things. He's placed my feet on a rock. He's transformed me. My youth is renewed like the eagles. And Jesus has already won the battle. Now it's just a question of will you take your stand and be aligned with Jesus Christ? Will you come in under the covering of Jesus Christ? Will you come under the wing, the support, the power, the shelter of the name of Jesus? Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would encourage your church today, that you would encourage That marriage that you would encourage the the single parent, that you would encourage the person who can't make ends meet, that you would help us to confront our enemy with the powerful weapons you've given us. And friend, I just want to remind you today, you'll never win this on your own. You need to fully surrender your life to Jesus. And God is inviting you to come home. And many of you are going to have eyes to to see, maybe for the first time ever. And you're going to recognize that there's a battle going on that you could never win on your own. There's a battle going on for some relationships, for your kids, going on for your finances, going on for your health. There are spiritual battles going on. right now you're recognizing that, you're seeing that. That there are forces fighting against you, and they're fighting against uh, the mission of the kingdom of God on earth. And you're saying, now, I I don't want to fight by my own power anymore. I want to surrender fully to Jesus Christ. I want the verses in the Bible about my salvation, about my eternal destiny, to be completely true to be completely true of me and you're ready to step across the line and you say heavenly father I need a savior I need Jesus Christ to save me to make me new God I need to be filled with your spirit I need to be taught to do your will I need a new mission in my life and I need you And I surrender my life to you, God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.